about to whip somebody's ass. Oh, I'm about to whip somebody's ass. Oh, if you don't leave me alone, you're gonna have to send me home. Cause I'm about to whip somebody's ass. Is there ever a better song to open a podcast than Pastor Ray Hagen's I'm Gonna Whip Somebody's Ass? Welcome to A Few Extra Bucks, our podcast here on PeterPirates.com. The reason we're playing that song, you may think, okay, that's Bruce Arians. Uh, we're all fired up, Buccaneer fans. Well, Bruce Arians actually used that song to fire up the Arizona Cardinals back in the day when they had a two-game losing streak. Tyron Matthew and Patrick Peterson on A Football Life, the great series on NFL Network, uh, back that up. Just part of what Bruce Arians brings to a Bucks locker room that desperately needs a different culture. I'm going to bring in Justin Thomas and Roy Cummings, our Buccaneer Insider, in just a bit. But first, I want to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews, great food, great service. Uh, Justin, thanks for downloading that. I'm guessing before we talk today, you'd never heard of that song. No, but it, I have to say, it's a great song. You know, that makes me want to go play football right now. I don't know about you, Roy Cummings. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Uh, yeah, straight from top of the pops, right there. Uh, that's a classic. <laughs> that's a classic. I, my guess is we're going to hear that one played. Uh, uh, maybe not at uh, maybe not at Raymond James Stadium, but uh, those of us who are fortunate enough to get out there for a practice in one buck place, we might we might get a chance to hear that every once in a while. I think Jameis Winston would love that song. I think OJ Howard. I'm thinking Mike Evans. We can go down the list. How do you not love that song? And if you take kind of the pulse of Buccaneer Nation, they're kind of saying, how do you not love Bruce Arians? I haven't heard many people say anything really negative about him. I think my only, you know, I don't know, pause with him is his health. And we're going to play clips of this interview, but Bruce Arians talked about his health, among many other topics, with Rich Eisen. And here's what he had to say about, obviously, he retired from the Arizona Cardinals last year. And it was because of family, but mainly because of health. And here's what he had to say about that. You know, we did everything, soup the nuts down in Tampa. Uh, my doctors were involved with any questions. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, other than losing 30 pounds, I'm in good shape. I can't wait for this guy's press conferences. I hope he's healthy. I hope he he's obviously committed, Roy. But, but overall, I think health is the biggest concern. Do you have any other concerns with this hiring? No, health was my only concern and, and want to. You know, how badly did he want to be a part of it here? And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll play it. But if not, you know, that, that same interview with, uh, uh, with Rich Eisen today, uh, he explained, hey, everything, all of a sudden everything started falling together. He had a chance to put together his old coaching staff. He had a chance to go back and work with Jason Light, which he was excited about. He had an opportunity to go work with Jameis Winston, who he really – uh, likes and, and thinks has a tremendous upside. Um, it looks like it was one of those situations where, you know, hey, uh, Bruce, did you ever get back into coaching? Yeah, if the right situation came around, you know, if everything kind of fell into place, well, guess what? I don't, I'm not quite sure how it happened, but everything kind of fell into place. And uh, as Bucks fans, you got to be pretty excited because, you know, sometimes, you know, fate deals you a tough hand, but it all of a sudden seems like fate's dealing the Buccaneers and their fans a pretty good hand here because right now, uh, as Bruce Arians said, everything has fallen into place for him, and I think it's fallen into place for the Buccaneers. They've got, what, in my opinion, 
the best of all the candidates out there for head coaches this year. They've got it. Yeah, I mean, you look around the NFL, and it's really uh, guys who have uh, hung out with Sean McVay for maybe five minutes. Oh, I want that guy. I want that hot coordinator. A lot of unproven guys. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, groomed Manziel to some degree at Texas A&M, and then Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech, but has no hasn't proven himself as a head coach. I mean, Bruce Aarons, to me, checks all the boxes and then some. But, Roy, you've covered this franchise for a long time. Whether it's Raheem Morris, whether it's Greg Schiano, Lovey Smith, or recently Dirk Cutter, I can't remember the Bucks fan base being more excited about a coach since really John Gruden. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I guess that's possible. You might be right. I, you know, we don't have a gauge on it really. It's really just a matter of listening to, you know, fans uh, expressing their opinions and, and everything else. I can remember it. It just seems, unfortunately, I guess I'm a little jaded in this at this point because I do yeah. remember the same kind of excitement. Probably not the same with John Gruden. I think there was a lot more hesitancy then because it took so long to get John Gruden. They were giving up an awful lot. There were still some people uh, who were wondering, you know, why do we even get rid of Tony Dungy? Um, you know, why are we? Why is it taking so long to find somebody? Why do we have to give up so much to get a guy? Um, you know, once he won, everything changed. But, you know, I, I also remember that when Raheem Morris, there was some skepticism there. But then when you went to Greg Schiano, there was a lot of excitement. When you went to Lovey Smith, there was a lot of excitement. Even when you went to Dirk Cutter, there was a lot of excitement. People saying, you know, they're always excited about the new guy. Um, it's kind of like draft day. Everybody's excited about the new guy. But this time, the, th the difference for me is I think the excitement is justified. Um, I thought it was justified with Lovey Smith too, um, and to a degree with Dirk Cutter. But you know the, the Glazers are kind of you know they're quick to pull the trigger and 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 also quick to you know to snuff it out. So um, this time I think there's a legitimate reason to be excited because again I think this was by far uh, the best choice you could make uh, for this team at this time. Yeah, you look at Matt LaFleur up in Green Bay, and I mentioned Kingsbury. You know, to me, that's really rolling the dice. I don't think the Bucs could really afford to roll the dice. They had to go with the proven commodity. We talked about this in our last podcast. I mean, Bruce Aarons, to me, was a clear choice. And you, and you remarked that they had to get somebody proven as a head coach, and I think that's a big key in this hire. I agree with you 100%. And I have heard through the grapevine a little bit um, that – this the change in coaches and now look i honestly believe that this this situation here with bruce arians has kind of been in the works now for maybe a month or more um because i i've kind of heard through the grapevine that if the buccaneers didn't have a feel that they were going to be able to get bruce arians they might not have cut they might not have fired dirt cutter that they would have held on to dirt cutter how about that yeah, uh, I'm hearing, and, and and I'll tell you what, when you put the pieces together, look at the questions that we've had since, you know, the last couple of weeks of the, of the regular season, when we, it was pretty inevitable, it seemed, that, that Dirk Cutter was out. There was a lot of questions, you know, Jason Light would probably go with him. Will Jameis Winston go with him? Well, all of a sudden in that last week, we find out that no, Jameis Winston is staying, and then we find out on the day that Dirk Cutter is, uh, is fired that Jason Light's been retained. Well... You look at a couple of the things that brought Dirk, uh, rather Bruce Arians here, Jason Light is one of them, and Jameis Winston is the other. So in essence, it seemed to me like they were kind of creating a foundation 
for Bruce Arians to say, okay, well, you gave me everything I'm looking for here. I, I've got to take a chance with this. So I think these were conversations with Bruce Arians that were taking place probably a month before the season ended. They were in a position where they felt like this is going to, you know, we're probably going to be able to get him what he's looking for because other coaches were going to be fired and other people were going to be allowed to, uh, uh, to come in and be a part of his organization or this organization under Bruce Arians. So I think this is something that's kind of been in the works, and I, and I wonder if it was going to happen if, uh, if Bruce Arians wasn't interested. If he wasn't interested, they might have stuck with Dirk Cutter. That's interesting. Uh, here's Bruce Arians. He's talking about what you've already mentioned, but kind of backs it up a little bit on his comfort level in taking this job as the 12th head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jason Light's a good friend. Um, it, it, that intrigued me, having a general manager I know and I trust and is really good. Um, and then, gosh, my whole staff became available. <laughs> Assistant coaches like, you know, what, what's going on here? Everything's just falling into place, and I got more and more excited about it. And uh, to be able to put this, what I think is one of the best staffs in the league together, um, really got me excited and can't wait to get started. Yeah, I wonder this, though, Roy, and, and you maybe hinted at this. If Jason Light doesn't have a great relationship with a guy like Bruce Arians, is he the general manager of the Bucks right now? Uh, I would I would be willing to bet no. Yeah, but, again, I, I think that – this is why uh, Jason Light was retained. Two reasons, and I said it before in earlier podcasts. Number one, they need someone who knew the landscape of the NFL uh, and had was able to, to go and do the work for them uh, and find a coach because the Glazers are not good at that, and I think they understand that and recognize it. Um, but at the same time, if your number one target is Bruce Arians and you know that he'll, your chances of getting him are much greater if Jason Light is here as your general manager and uh, James Winston is here as your head as your quarterback. Well, then why not hold on to him at least through uh, the, the search process? And I also believe, look, owners do talk to each other. Um, it's the job of a general manager like Jason Light, who um, who's you know who's going to let a coach go to kind of know what else is going on around the league. My guess is that he understood that Todd Bowles was going to be let go in in New York and that uh, uh, Adam Gase was going to be let go in Miami, you know, freeing up some of the people. And again, these are moves that freed up some of the people that Bruce Arians wanted to bring in make, and make part of his, uh, his staff. So when you know that these moves are going to be made and you can go to Bruce Arians and say, Bruce, look, Adam Gase is going to be gone, so if you want Clyde Christensen, you'll have him. Todd Bowles is going to be gone. He may get a shot somewhere else, but – you know what, everything I'm hearing says no. And look, Bruce Arians can look around too. So um, I, I really think that there's just a lot of things fell into place here. And the Buccaneers decided, look, th there's no question this is our guy and it's all working in our favor. We got to make the move and make it now. Yeah, we'll get to his staff at Bowles <laughs> and how great that is in just a second. But it's clear, nobody benefits from Bruce Arians than Jameis Winston. I mean, Jameis Winston just turned 25. I hope, Jameis, when you blew out the candles, you were hoping and praying for Bruce Arians, because this is such a big deal for him. And his history with Bruce Arians goes back a long way. And Arians talked about that with Rich Eisen this week. Jameis was in my football camp uh, when he was in, I think, ninth or 10th grade. And Jake, my son, and I had a football camp in Birmingham. And I was like, wow, is this, this kid talented. I actually thought he was going to be a baseball player because he was throwing about 90 miles an hour back then. But he won our quarterback competition. And, uh, 
you know, I showed all those kids a Super Bowl ring, and I think it made an impression on him because he still talks about it today. And if that wasn't cool enough, Jameis Winston had to love hearing this. When asked about the upside of Jameis Winston by Rich Eisen, how about this from Bruce Arians? I think he can win it all. I mean, he, he has the intelligence, the toughness, and the, obviously the arm uh, ability to to lead a team. Now, we got to put the right pieces around him. Obviously, we've got to do some things defensively. But if anybody can do it defensively, Todd Bowles can do it. He mentions Todd Bowles. But let's go back to Jameis Winston, Roy. I mean, you know, to me, Jameis Winston is lucky in a lot of ways. You mentioned it early. They could have cleaned house. They could have brought in a coach that wanted his own quarterback. And there are some big names out there that maybe wanted to do that. But Jameis Winston, boy, I think he uh, he's really lucky in a lot of ways, Roy. Yeah, I think Jameis Winston is very fortunate. But, you know, at the same time, I think Bruce Arians considers himself fortunate. And, and this is this is one of the things I think fans need to realize is that, look, Jameis Winston, for a kid who's 25, 20, about to be 25, hadn't yet turned 25, he has accomplished an awful lot in his first four years in the NFL. Is he a perfect quarterback? No. Does he need... To, to take a you know to correct a lot of things yes but he's accomplished an awful lot for a young quarterback and I think Dirk Cutter and Mike Bajakian um, have brought him a long way we know you know there's a lot of people ready to give up on Jameis Winston which I think is just insane and 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 w- the reason I think it's insane is a lot of the things what Bruce Arians just said he's a hardworking kid I mean one of the first things that you worry about with a quarterback is you know how how much can he be a leader? Can he be? A, is he going to work hard enough? Is he going to be the first guy in the building? Is he going to get there at five o'clock in the morning and stay till eight o'clock at night? Is he going to put in the time necessary to become great or at least approach it if he's got the skill set? And Jameis Winston checks all those boxes. He he it does have leadership skills. He wants it badly. Um, he works at it hard. Uh, yes, has he made mistakes? Of course he's made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. Everybody's made mistakes. Um, but, you know, all of his mistakes combined, he hasn't missed as much time as Marcus Mariota. And I'm not going to get into that comparison necessarily, but that's the only one you can compare with. And right now, I would take Jameis Winston over Marcus Mariota in a snap because of all the things Bruce Arians just said. And because I know that Jameis Winston is about as durable a quarterback as you're going to find. So, um, I, I think there's an awful lot of upside. I think Dirk Cutter deserves a lot of credit, along with Mike Bajakian, for bringing Jameis Winston to where he is now. Now it's time, you know, like a rocket booster. Let's see how far Bruce Arians can take him. Bruce Arians seems to think he can take him all the way, and uh, I don't have any reason to doubt him. You know, I get the whole everybody's made mistakes, Roy, and I'm a big second chances guy, but boy, Jameis Winston has made more mistakes than most. And it, to me, he is, you would hope, that he's learned so much and was humbled this year, being benched, being suspended. You have to feel internally, Jameis Winston has to feel like, not only this may be, this is my last chance in Tampa Bay, but I'm getting it with a guy who believes in me and maybe deep down wasn't sure if that would ever happen. Yeah, um, again, uh, he, he needs to be down on his knees thanking his lucky stars and thanking the good Lord for bringing Bruce Arians to him at this point. And, and again, thanking Dirk Cutter for, for having done what he did and thanking the Bucks for sticking with him. Because you're right, he has made a lot of mistakes, there's no doubt. Now, as far as off-field mistakes, as far as we know, the last one happened three years ago. Um, and, and 
if we find out differently, well, then it's a different narrative. But right now, the last mistake he made off the field was three years ago. Um, he still makes a lot of mistakes on the field, yes. But again, fans have to understand that that is a byproduct of the scheme. It's an aggressive scheme. It's a downfield passing scheme. And this just in, I don't think it's going to change much. Bruce Arians is, a, is an aggressive downfield kind of guy too. And so is Byron Leftwich, who's going to probably be calling the plays and, and running the offense. So uh, I believe, but I think that too, I think Bruce, Byron Leftwich coming in is going to be a good uh, voice in Jameis Winston's ear because he's been there, he's done it. Um, they're, they're similar in ways. Uh, I, I think, again, I just think that everything in terms of Jameis Winston just got a little bit better and maybe a lot better with Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich coming in. I, I really applaud the work that Dirk Cutter and Mike Bajakian did with him. Um, but if you're going to make a change, I'm not sure it can get much better than what you brought in here to help him now. Man, I feel old. Byron Leftwich is the friggin' offensive coordinator. I remember that guy playing, it seems like, just a, a stone throw a couple of years ago. And then Freddie Kitchens gets the job in Cleveland. I covered him as a freshman quarterback at Alabama, a guy who liked to party a ton and would tick off Gene Stallings. So kudos to to the, the next generation of coaches. We're seeing it right before our eyes. You know what, though? Those guys, of course, paid their dues. But there are so many ways that you can really appreciate Bruce Arians. But one of them is the fact that this guy stuck around coaching when Manny would have quit. And he went through the ups and the downs. And if you don't believe me, listen to Bruce Arians talking to the NFL network cameras in his football life, kind of giving you his resume right here. The number of times we got fired and had to move. Virginia Tech, the first one. Mississippi State, we left for Alabama. Alabama, we left for Temple. Got fired at Temple. Went to Kansas City, got fired in Kansas City. Went to Mississippi State and left. Went to New Orleans, got fired. Went to Alabama, got fired. Went to Indianapolis, left to be the coordinator for the Browns, got fired. Went to the Steelers, uh, receiver coach, became the coordinator, got fired. Indianapolis, always a good spot. Get the Cardinal job. Man, I'm tired after hearing that, Roy. Man, how, how, how did you keep it all straight? But I guess you maybe, <laughs> you never, maybe you never forget when all the times you got fired. <laughs> you know, Chuck Pagano saved his career in a lot of ways. He was fired from Pittsburgh, called him to uh, help him out in Indianapolis. And then, unfortunately, Pagano uh, had leukemia, I think, cancer. And then uh, Arians became the interim coach and had a winning record and really re resurrected his football career. It really makes you wonder. You see a lot of these guys in the NFL, and they never get their due, and they get fired a lot. And Bruce Arians is the ultimate survivor. I mean, I, I think you appreciate the fact that he's the quarterback whisperer. You appreciate the fact that the job he did in Arizona, but really got to appreciate the road he took to get to this point. Yeah, he's been through a lot, obviously. And you know what? Maybe appreciate the fact that he decided to leave on his own terms a year ago. Yeah. Um, maybe you could see that, uh, you know, he, he kind of maybe maybe feels like he maxed out in uh, in Arizona and did what he could with that team. And, and they, they missed their window and uh, it wasn't going to quite go the way he wanted it to going forward. And maybe he decided, you know, it's time for me to move on and let somebody else give it a shot. Um, you know, along with obviously trying to, you know, pay close and close attention to his health and his family, which is important, obviously the most important thing really. And, 
Um, so I give him credit for that. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, he, you know, he's got that itch. And he, he said this in the Rich Eisen uh, interview as well. He, he, he just, man, he, it just got itchier and itchier, he said, the more he, he looked at the Buccaneers opportunity. And uh, again, just fortunate is the word that keeps coming to my mind for everybody involved in this situation right now. And I'm not sure the last time I can remember how, you know, the Bucks really being fortunate to, uh, to have somebody on their side uh, like this. And, and look, you know, he's, a, he's such a down-to-earth guy. You know, that's the other thing, and we haven't quite gotten into that yet. This is one of the reasons fans are going to love him. This is a guy who's going to embrace, you know, the fan base and, and, and embrace the media. And, and, you know, he's just a down-to-earth good guy. And, um, I, in fact, I was, I was talking to a buddy of mine, uh, Jerry Dulac, uh, in Pittsburgh last night, covers the Steelers, has covered him for years. Knows Bruce Arians extremely well. Has known him for years. And uh, Jerry Dulac told me, uh, Pittsburgh uh, uh, Post-Gazette, uh, he told me last night, he said, you know what, Roy? He said, the NFL is a better place when Bruce Arians is in it. And you know what? I-, I think he's right. And I hope we all find out over the course of the next five-plus years that he's absolutely on the mark about that. Yeah, you mentioned the fact that he's a likable guy. I actually like Dirk Cutter in a lot of ways, but – you know, Dirk Cutter, I don't think really, you know, he likes his next his nose guy. I didn't really like dealing with the media a lot, even though I, I didn't find him that difficult. I, I found that he answered a question if it was a legitimate question. It wasn't a stupid question. But I think Arians is going to be almost not, not Steve Spurrier-esque, not quite that colorful. But I think every press conference, you're going to take away a funny sound bite. And it makes, you know, I've never covered a coach like that, frankly. I've always covered a guy, you know, like a Tom Coughlin or a, a Sean Payton or, you know, you like Tony Dungy and Gruden, but they're not they're not like Bruce Arians. It's almost like a Rex Ryan with substance. That's how I think about Bruce Arians in a way. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you don't find too many like him in the NFL. And and again, maybe that's what Jerry Dulac is referring to is uh, the NFL is a better place when you got guys like this. You're right. Um, I, I think he's a guy who realizes or understands that, you know, yeah, you, you want to work hard at it. And, and I don't know what his you know, what his schedule is on a daily basis when he's coaching a team. But from what I've heard, he's one of those guys who says, hey, I'll put in the hours, but I'm not going to put in 14-hour days when I when, when 10-hour days will do it, you know, and, and good for him because that's how Tony Dungy was. That's how Steve Spurrier was. And, you know, this whole idea of, well, if I, you know, I'll work the other guy, you know, when they can't never, they can never say I didn't work hard enough. Well, okay, that's great. But, you know, how about just working smarter and getting the job done and and, and finding a way to do it so that you can have a life away from the football field. You know, it's not all about football. And, and I think that's part of what Bruce Arians is about. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough to cover a lot of guys, a few people like him. Tony Dungy was one, obviously. Gruden, uh, he, he was, a, he was a, a maniac in terms of work ethic. But, you know, he always had a good line for you, too. He was honest with you. Uh, other than that, I'd have to go to hockey and, and cover, you know, Terry Crisp and Jacques Demare and, you know, some of those guys, uh, they, they were like that. And, and you know, those are the kind of people that an, an entire community embraces uh, when they're more down to earth. And that's who Bruce Arians is. You know, you mentioned the uh, itch was getting itchier. He told Rich Eisen that he was saying the broadcast booth really wasn't getting it done for him either. He got a little restless. I actually heard him tell somebody that it was more involved than he thought it would be. And you know what, if he's going to work that hard, I might as well get back into coaching. So I think nothing satisfies Bruce Arians, obviously, more than coaching. And I remember that football life, the NFL Network. Man, if you haven't caught that, check it out. All of them are great. But Bruce Arians is really good. 
his wife, you know, thought he was going to be retired a number of times and the phone would ring. And obviously she's very supportive and time and time again, he'd want to get back into coaching. Before we get to three and out, I want to talk about the defensive side of the football. You know, obviously we know Bruce Arians and, and Brian, Byron Leftwich are going to bring a lot. They have a lot of weapons to work with. But Todd Bowles coming in has run the three, four a lot. He's run the 4-3-2, but how is that going to impact this defensive line, Roy? I mean, I know it's probably – it's hard to guess at this point, but w- obviously that's a great pedigree of Todd Bowles to come in here, but I think a lot of changes are on the way here. I do too, and, you know, I look at the roster right now, and I may be completely wrong about this, but I'm starting to think that this – now, one thing you're going you're gonna to have to do with a 3-4 is you've, you've got to have – in order to do this, you've got to have really strong cornerback play. You need it with a 4-3 as well. But if you're going to play a 3-4, you really need strong cornerback play. They're a little bit weak there right now. But when I look at the Bucks personnel, I think the front seven is more suited right now to a 3-4 scheme than it is a 4-3 scheme. The reason I say that is you just drafted Vita Vea, who is clearly a 3-4 nose tackle type, yeah. right? Yeah. You've got Quan Alexander and, and some pretty good linebackers on this team um, that could certainly – I think you could probably play the 3-4 right now and with the front seven at least, be very representative and and pretty good at it because you've got an awful lot of athleticism at the linebacker position. So uh, think of getting your best athletes on the field more often, and that to me says 3-4 with this team the way it's structured right now. Um, Bring in a couple of new cornerbacks, draft a couple perhaps in the first round, uh, see what Vernon Hargraves has got in him still, uh, look at some of these other young kids that they drafted a year ago, and you just may have uh, a completely uh, revolutionized defensive scheme here. I think it's I think it's going to happen, and um, you know I'll be interested to see how they go about it. I think watch Gerald McCoy here. If Gerald McCoy is retained, it probably suggests they're going to go a little bit more four three or split it. Um, but if the, if Gerald McCoy is let go. And there's no intention to bring him back at a, at a lesser salary, then that would tell me that they're going three four and they're going to start leading on this linebacker talent that they've got, which I think is uh, the, one of the deepest positions on the team. Well, Todd Bowles is 55 years of age, but Bruce Arians and Bowles go way back to when Bowles played at uh, Temple. And here's what uh, Bruce Arians had to say to Rich Eisen about his relationship with Todd Bowles and what he may bring to the Bucks. We had talked to. Um, you know, he's, a, he's another one that's like a son to me. So was, I was more talking to him about his future. Um, you know, we all get fired. I've been fired so many times I can't count them all. And, uh, but then it led to this. And um, so he thought hard about it. I, I, I was doing my best sales job, and, uh, and, it's, and it's happened. So we're really excited to be back together. One more question before three and out, Roy. We talked about the defensive side of the ball. It's amazing how everything seemingly is falling into place for the Bucks right now. You know, there were some people like Peter King and uh, other so-called experts around the NFL, actually like Peter King, but who said this Bucks job was maybe the least attractive of all the openings. You know, we begged to differ in the last podcast, but to me, Bruce Arians, not only with Jameis Winston, but all the weapons he has on offense, I think if they fix the O-line and get a running back in here, who has more experience and can do more, well, he's got to be licking his chops at this offense. Oh, I think so. And, um, you know, I've even I've heard some rumors, and I'm not spreading this. I've heard it. Uh, <laughs> I've heard nothing to confirm it, um, that, that Bruce Arians might have some interest in bringing Le'Veon Bell in here. Yeah. Um, you know, 
if you get rid of Gerald McCoy, you could do that. Um, I'm anxious to see if that's something. And, and look, I'm I'm not a big fan of Le'Veon Bell. Over, you know, as a matter of what he did last, as a result of what he did last year. But I think if anybody can get him to focus on football, and if I'm going to trust anyone to be his head coach, Bruce Arians would be the kind of guy because I don't think Bruce Arians puts up with much BS. I think before he would ever allow the Bucks to sign that guy, he would find he would get a commitment from him. Say, look, I don't want any any shenanigans here. You're going to play football and you're going to play hard for us. And if you don't, you know, we're going to, so I'm anxious to see how that goes, but um, it's, to me, it's just another reason that, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think that, look, I've said it before. I never thought the Buccaneers was anywhere near the worst job. I thought it was actually one of the better jobs because um, I think this team is closer than a lot of people believe. I think there's a lot of pieces to work with. Um, you're going to have a great draft uh, opportunity with the fifth overall pick um, and the uh, 37th overall pick. So uh, I, I, I think it's a, a really good job to have. And obviously Bruce Arians feels the same way because um, outside of what he considers his dream job, which is to uh, which is not to coach the Cleveland Browns, his dream is to be the coach of the Cleveland Browns and bring them back to uh, take them back to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, falling short of that opportunity, uh, he, I think he took advantage of what he sees as the best opportunity here. This is the only job he wanted outside of that one, and I think his interest in that one fa- faded uh, pretty quickly uh, when he start, started to see what he had here for in terms of uh, people that he could work with. So again, I, I think Peter King was way off the mark on that, and it's going to be interesting to see how the national narrative changes over the coming months. Now that Bruce Arians is here, first of all, you're already starting to see it. Uh, you're going to see a lot more interest in the Buccaneers because of Bruce Arians. And my guess is you're going to see a lot more people suddenly talking a lot differently about the Buccaneers uh, because Bruce Arians is going to put uh, is going to put that uh, idea in people's heads that uh, this team is nowhere near as bad as people think. Yeah, two things on that. The NFC South, which looked like the best division of football before the season, it uh, doesn't look that great moving forward now. Atlanta's very vulnerable. It's funny they hired Dirk Cutter. We haven't talked about that as their new offensive coordinator. That'll make things interesting uh, a couple times next year. Carolina's f- future is kind of murky with Cam Newton. And uh, I- I'll say this, if the Saints win the Super Bowl, Drew Brees could retire. I'm just kind of throwing that out there, even though he told me a few weeks ago he has he still has more football in him. So there are more questions than exclamation points with the NFC South. And back to your point on Le'Veon Bell, Think about Arizona and the locker room and the culture he created. Tyron Matthew you know, got in a lot of trouble at LSU, and, and he didn't get in any trouble with Bruce Arians and still has. And I think he can make an impact with guys like Matthew and maybe Le'Veon Bell. Speaking of trouble, Justin, you know what time it is. Three and out, the first one in the Bruce Arians era. Speaking of trouble, I want to start off our first question. This is, of course, three questions, and we're out of here. And we're going to have Justin Thomas go first. That's kind of our New Year's resolution in 2019. I still can't believe it's 2019. <laughs> we've had a lot of knucklehead news about the Bucks in the last month. Um, who do you think is the biggest Bucks knucklehead after the season was completed? Is it Brent Grimes or Deshaun Jackson? It's not even close. It's Brent Grimes. I don't want to hear anybody complaining about what you have to do for $7 million. There's a lot of things I'll do for $7 million. 
and covering the best receiver on the team that I'm facing on a particular Sunday is uh, that's one of the easiest things I would think I would be asked to do for $7 million. Uh, if I'm a cornerback in the NFL, um, look, I lost a lot of respect for Brent Grimes. Um, you know, if, if his wife had said that, I, I, I sometimes wonder, you know, was that his wife doing a ventriloquist uh, <laughs> there? Was she the one actually saying those things? Because that's not the Brent Grimes that, uh, you know, I talk to uh, occasionally with the Buccaneers. Um, but son of a gun, I don't want to hear anybody complain. I mean, man, $7 million and you don't think you're wor- you're the best quarterback on the team. What did you think your job was going to be when you had three, three rookies, you know, uh, other three rookies next to you there? Uh, in in the uh, and the secondary, what did you think? Who did you think was going to get the toughest assignment? Did you think it was going to be one of those kids? I mean, what are you thinking? Uh, by far, it's uh, without any any question, it was Brent Grimes. I think I think Roy is a little fired up there, and I'm fired up. I'm going to get to it in just a second. But Justin Thomas, biggest knucklehead, Brent Grimes or Deshaun Jackson? Oh, without a doubt, Brent Grimes. I was shocked when I read that he felt disrespected that they asked him to cover Antonio Brown. I Like Roy said, I mean, that, that's his job. What did he expect? I mean, he's earning the most. And what, he expects someone else to do a better job, like Roy said, a rookie or something? I just – I don't I don't know if he was just mad that he couldn't perform well or whatever. I don't know. I was just – that's one of those like head scratchers that I, I just can't figure out what he's trying to get at. And the other thing about that, guys, is he accepted the seven million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> if, you know, if you thought you deserved more, then go find the team that was willing to give you more. The reason he came back to Tampa Bay and played for seven million dollars is because seven million dollars was all he could get. Was the I'm sorry, the most he could get. That was it. Nobody was offering him seven point five or eight, or the 13 that he thinks you need to be paid in order to cover Antonio Brown. So that's the best you could get. If that's not enough, then don't play. If that's too much, if that if that's too little for you to be the number one corner and actually have to follow a top-level receiver once in a while, well, then I'm sorry. Uh, maybe you shouldn't play the game anymore. And you know what? I think he'll get his wish. I think he's done, and he should be. You know, anybody <laughs> who defends Brent Grimes, I'm sorry – but you're an idiot because you know what? It's almost like Chris Godwin saying, you know what? I'm catching a lot of passes. I'm going to start dropping passes because I'm not getting paid like a number one receiver in the NFL. I mean, it's almost like that kind of logic. And then on top of it, he's not being a good teammate. And then the biggest thing to me is, is I'm, I'm like you, Roy, I'm surprised because I've dealt with Brent Grimes. I actually like him. He's always pretty stand up and always talk, always yeah. give you time. But you got young guys like Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart listening to a guy like that who apparently was on the phone at halftime of the Bears game. That's why he was benched in the second half. But that's just such a bad – it's such a bad, a bad message on so many levels. Uh, Brent Grimes, that, you know, you make uh, Deshaun Jackson look like Tim Tebow now moving forward here. <laughs> Our question, and that is very yeah. hard to do. Yeah, Exactly. In our three and out, our second question, you know, we talked about Jameis Winston benefiting from Bruce Arians, besides Jameis Winston because he's the obvious one. Who do you think benefits the most out of these two guys, of the Bruce Arians regime coming in, O.J. Howard or Levante David? I think Levante David because I think for the first, to be honest, and, and uh, I think for the first time 
since Greg Schiano. I think the fact that Todd Bowles is going to be here as the defensive coordinator is going to allow Levante David's skill set to be used yeah. in the best way possible. Right. Um, I think Todd Bowles understands that in this NFL, you have got to be aggressive. You really have to go. I mean, they were a little bit more aggressive. Look, um, Mike Smith was a lot like Monty Kiffin. He played a lot of cover two, played a lot of zone, wasn't a big fan of blitzing. Monty Kiffin was that way. It was all about, you know, keep seven guys back in coverage, keep their eyes on the ball, and, you know, let them get – we don't care how many yards they get. We'll just keep them from scoring touchdowns and force them to kick field goals, if that, all day long. That was Mike Smith's philosophy. The game has changed now. You've got to go after the quarterback more. Mark Duffner knows that, got a little bit more aggressive, but not as aggressive as Todd Bowles is going to be. Todd Bowles is going to blitz a lot. And when you have linebackers like Levante David, who are at, at their best playing downhill, he is going to find – well, not finally. He's already an all-pro caliber player. But I think um, he's got a chance to, uh, to increase his production level uh, significantly as a result of Todd Bowles coming in because Todd Bowles is going to be aggressive with him. Justin? I agree. I mean, O.J. Howard has got so much talent. You know, I think he he would do well under pretty much anyone. So I think with someone like Todd Bowles coming in who can help Levante, I think that to me seems to be um, he'll be able to gain more, I guess I would say, versus Bruce Arians. We're already working with a talented player like O.J. Howard. Yeah, I agree. The reason I threw Levante, David, because everything you said, Roy, I'm, I'm on the same page with. I think it's incredible how well Levante David has played when he hasn't, you know, been utilized maybe to the max of his ability. Uh, and he's already been a great player in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see how much better he gets. All right, our third question and our three and out, man, I was dead wrong about the Alabama Clemson national championship game. I thought Saban, yeah, I'm an SEC. <laughs> I'll admit it. I thought they were going to not roll over Clemson, but I thought even that first interception by Clemson, I thought, well, they'll, they'll bounce back. That Tua is just unbelievable. But I, I, I have never been more shocked after a game that was built up like that, maybe since, you know, showing my age, like Georgetown, Villanova, or Houston, NC State, back in the old, you know, NCAA basketball days of the 80s. But who do you think has the better future in the next five years moving forward? Is it Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney? I'm going to have to say Dabo Sweeney. I mean, um, although this is going to fire Nick Saban up. Uh, Dabo Sweeney's riding the wave right now. He's on the top of it, man. He's hanging 10. Um, but I'd say Nick Saban's going to be fired up. Nick Saban got, and, and, and Alabama got surprised in that game. They know they're good, but I don't think they realize just how good Clemson is. And I think this is going to fire up Nick Saban a lot. But I think the way Dabo Sweeney, I think his personality um, is going to help him. And I think he's going to have some pretty good uh, success in, in, in recruiting. So I'm going to say Dabo Sweeney is going to keep riding that wave over the next five years. Justin. Oh, this is a tough one. I mean, Nick Saban has proven it over the 10 plus years. Um, but Dabo Sweeney's got something going on there. And I don't know this. It's almost like a coin toss to me. You could, pick one or the other. Um, 
But I guess after this last game, which I agree, I was shocked. I, I could see – I thought Clemson maybe could win, but it would be a close win. I didn't expect a blowout. Uh, I'll go with uh, Dabu Sweeney. I, I, I mean, what he was able to do with a freshman QB was really impressive. And that's another reason to pick Dabo is because I think for the next two years, uh, Tyler Lawrence is going to he's going to be the face of college football. Yeah, that that guy's unbelievable. I mean, to me, I read a couple articles that he was the highest rated quarterback coming out of high school ever. Like he had the best rating ever. And how many times have we seen a lot of those guys who are prototype like like Trevor Lawrence is that six five, the big arm? But boy, that guy has it all. It's amazing. I have never seen. Um, a performance like that, you know, Alabama's defense may not have been as good as it was in recent years, but it's still Alabama's defense. They got four first-round picks on that defense, so it's going to be scary to see how good Trevor Lawrence is moving forward. Well, listen, uh, great job, guys. Uh, we'll be at Bruce Arians' press conference on Thursday, and we'll give a video wrap here on PeterPirates.com. We'll keep giving you a few extra bucks podcasts. Man, I can't wait for the first ever Bruce Arians press conference. It's going to be fun stuff. A lot of big news coming up out of the Bucks, and we'll have you covered here on PeterPirates.com. Uh, Justin, maybe maybe play it low, but we got to bring back the music we did off the top, the Bruce Arians uh, motivational music. I'm about to whip somebody's ass. Hey, man. You know what? <laughs> Don't get pumped up about that, Bucks fans. You can't get pumped up about anything. We're going to download that on uh, your iPod, I'm sure, Buck in your nation. So moving forward here, we'll have you covered in the Bruce Darian's uh, Kick Some Ass era. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews, great food, great service. We're out of here. We'll see you next time. Yeah.